Welcome to another episode of the Right Side Up Leadership Podcast. Uh, most of you listening, I can guess, are fans of coffee. Some of you maybe even fiends in the coffee department. Uh, we're big fans of coffee. David and I are gathered around our cup of coffee. David, should we talk about coffee today? Yes, I think we should. Let's do it. So actually, what's interesting about today's episode, um, it really kind of took me off guard a little bit, even knowing these people. If we really didn't talk about the fine hints and notes of coffee or even importing it or even the farming process of it, there's so much behind coffee. Really what we focused on today and what just kind of came out of the conversation was a lot about people, about relationships, about culture, about hospitality. And so much of this is happening in our city. So really kind of proud of these guys in this conversation and what's coming out of our city, Colorado Springs right now in regards to coffee culture. So we had the unique opportunity to sit down with three of our friends who run um, cafes and roasteries in the city. And what they're doing is is amazing things. And we think of coffee as just you know, a caffeinated beverage that gets us through the day. But what they're doing is cultivating a space for relationship to happen. And so there's this thread, this theme through there that they uh, aren't just in the coffee business, but they're in the, the people business. And so, so there's so many different takeaways, no matter what sphere of leadership that you're in, whether it's nonprofit, um, pastor, ministry leader, um, small business owner, there's so much gold in here for you. I really love their focus on generosity, and really they've become the coffee community of Colorado Springs. They've even formed an agency and an organization that just represents coffee here in the city. It's a big deal here. It's a big deal everywhere really right now, uh, and really has a unique cultural perspective. So I absolutely love these conversations. And these are friends. So just selfishly, I mean, it's amazing. Had a lot of fun here in the studio today, just digging in on coffee, on culture, on relationships, and hospitality. And you wouldn't get it from the humility from these guys, but these are award-winning roasters. Literally some of the best in the country. Yeah. And so it was just a treat to sit down with them. So we hope you enjoy the conversation as much as we did with Tyler, Vinny, and Brandon as we talk about coffee and leadership in the coffee industry. Well, hey guys, welcome to another episode of the Right Side Up Leadership Podcast. We got a real treat for you today. I know we say that every single episode, but seriously, we do. We're in a place called 719 Commons, drinking some good coffee with some serious coffee connoisseurs. I've got Tyler Hill, who's been on the podcast before, and Vinny Snyder. They're both deep into the coffee world, uh, and they run coffee shops and cafes. And we're going to dig in and see what the real story is behind running a coffee shop in a cafe. So Tyler and Vinny, what's so up, good to have you guys here up? today. Hey guys. Well, let's let's dig in straight to it. So Vinny, just give us a little bit of a picture. How did you happen into running this coffee shop and cafe? And tell us a little bit about it. Yeah, I think happening into it is the right word because it was not my intention at all. I never really had a dream or a vision to be a part of the coffee industry or even run a coffee shop. But, um, and Alan, you know the story better than most because it's really your fault that this whole thing happened. For good or for ill, <laughs> yeah, I need exactly. to take credit for it. For good now, for sure, looking back on it. Um, but I started down the path of church planting and thought that, that was going to be the future for me and thought felt I don't know, like a strong sense of purpose getting into that. And I don't know, it became pretty clear that that was just not actually going to be using my strengths. And I just wanted to go a different direction and was pretty open to start literally anything. So um, yeah, Alan connected me with the shop that was looking for someone to help with some inventory assistant um, and just bring some management experience. And I had not 
ever used a real coffee machine. I had a short stint at Seattle's Best Coffee inside of a Borders in college, and that was the extent of my uh, coffee experience. So I said, you know, why not this? Let's just try. You know, it was an open door and decided to walk through it. And that's kind of how I got my start. Uh, so r- real quick, how how was that? How was that entry? I mean, spare us maybe all the details, but how was that? I mean, no coffee experience to actually being part of this living, breathing coffee shop. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, before the podcast, we were talking, I said it was the best and worst six months of my life because, you know, the story goes that I, uh, the person above me, the manager above me left the first week that I was there. And then all of a sudden I took on all the responsibilities of running a coffee shop, training, hiring, ordering, all that stuff. And I didn't even have the phone number for who to call to order milk yet. And I had never made a latte on a real machine in my life. So I skipped a lot of steps and kind of had an accelerated (laughs) learning, which was really great. But I mean, I literally had work dreams every single night for months of just me by myself with a line out the door, not knowing what to do. So worth it in the end for sure. Awesome. Uh, Tyler, very different story in coffee. How'd you get into it and describe the, the shop that you're at now? Yeah, for me, for me, um, my first uh, interaction with coffee was there was this coffee shop in between my house in downtown Colorado Springs and uh, college. I would drive past it and um, I, what I found out was a couple of my mentors would meet with, wanted to start meeting with me at this spot. And um, it was cool. You could buy like this mug for like, I don't know, 70 bucks or a hundred dollars. I don't really remember. It's this copper mug. And if you bought it for however much money, you could fill it up for an entire year. Like you just show up, fill it up and it's super dope. So, um, so I bought that and that's where I started doing my homework. And that was the first place that I ever saw that like two things tasted different. Like I, I had never really experienced that before. And it illuminated something in me, like for reals. Like one of the first time I tasted like this coffee was different. Like something happened inside of me. Um, that's just really hard to explain, but it was special. Uh, and so I was just super, super stoked. Um, and so to make a long story short, I applied to work at that coffee shop five times and they never hired me. Never, not once. I wanted to work there so bad cause I wanted to learn. Um, but they just didn't want it. And so, um, so I took like, right, my education into my own hands. I bought every book that there was, you know, YouTube at that point was like starting to become a thing. And so there's little bits of education you could find, but there really wasn't a lot. Um, so eventually, um, I was working a couple jobs I hated. I was just trying to taste coffee more, even though they didn't hire me at that time, it was still the only place I could really go. So I still went all the time. Um, long story short, one of the guys that was roasting coffee at that place, he knew of my interest. He was asked to open a new place, which was called the Ivy Wild School. That was a new operation opening in town. So he tracked down my phone number, called me and was like, yo, I know you're interested, et cetera, et cetera. Like, I know you love coffee. Why don't you come work for me? Crazy thing about that. I was that day, literally that day, y'all, I was about to sign a contract with Jimmy John's for five years to work at corporate Jimmy John's when I got that call. So I almost took this crazy <laughs> turn into the world of sandwiches. And, you could have um, been like this sandwich artist. I mean, what do you call like yeah, a sandwich connoisseur? Yeah, I, I like, no what would idea. you have been? Being a sandwich connoisseur probably is really cool, but it wasn't for me. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, so I said, so I bounced. Here I go um, into coffee world. Long story short, I get mentored by this guy, Eric. Um, I learned more in through that mentorship than I did in all of college, just fell head over heels in love um, with the industry and that sort of thing. Um, eventually we end up owning a coffee company together, Eric and I, um, which is cool how that relationship just flourished. 
Um, but really what I learned was I thought I was a coffee person at first, like that I loved coffee. But what I learned as I spent more time in the industry was I don't really spend a lot of time uh, at night thinking about the 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 DNA of water and how it impacts the extraction in TDS and coffee, like some of my peers do. What I learned is that I loved what coffee allows me to do, which is interact with people and create meaningful experiences for others. And so, um, so over that season, I really really learned um, what coffee could do for me and in a community. So. I used to think I was a coffee person, but I grew into something else because of coffee. So now where I'm at, um, I actually am a co-owner and founder of a coffee company. There's actually six total people that co-own this organization. And it's a very hospitality focused, um, experience focused coffee company. Um, and so like Vinny, we have a cafe and we also roast and wholesale. Um, so uh, super fun. And we're about to open a second location this summer. All right, before we push in a little bit further, uh, Tyler, give us the name of your coffee shop and Vinny, do the same. Loyal Coffee. Our cafe is called Peak Place and our roasting wholesale program is Hold Fast Coffee Company. Look them up, guys. Great coffee. <clears throat> so for you guys, why coffee? Why does it excite you? Why did you choose to get into kind of the coffee scene? Maybe you fell into it, but now that you're in it, yeah. um, why coffee? I think for me, uh, you know, you kind of heard a little bit of my story. I didn't actually have that answer. I sort of found it out on the job, which was fun. You know, I had more of a craft beer background prior to that and really loved like just the beverage world and the community it creates. And I think Tyler and I are similar in this way. It was really unique as a customer because you felt like that was such a cool introduction into your community. If you want to know what your city's like, you hang out in coffee shops, you hang out in breweries and it was like cool from a customer side, but it was different thinking about as an entrepreneur, what would I really like about being in coffee? And I think being able to create that experience and being able to fill voids in your community and create spaces where people like yourself could use and kind of having this blank canvas that the only real thing you have to do is serve coffee. I mean, you know, the rules after that are entirely up to you. Yeah. And wow. I think the amount of creativity that you have in creating that environment was just it's just it's a playground if you really love people and you really love hospitality. Yeah. 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 You know, for, for me, it, it started because I I loved the product. And I was obsessed about it. In fact, I made a post on social media that caused a little bit of a ruckus a few days ago. When I first got into coffee, I was obsessed with it, that coffee. And I wanted to make the best thing and it was going to be the fanciest. And really what that did was that turned me into like a pretentious like jerk about it. Like I was that pretentious barista on some level uh, because I loved coffee. I just thought it tasted good and I loved manipulating the details and all of this. So for me, why coffee at first was because I loved it and it tasted so good. And like I said, I, I, up to that point when I tasted coffee, I never had beer, I never had whiskey. So I had no context for like what a craft beverage could be. But I believe deep down, like God designed me to love, love libations and love drinks. Like there's, it makes me feel some sort of way. And so for me, it started like that. Now, unfortunately, um, that wasn't good for community building and that wasn't good for relationships. And over time, I learned that the product matters a lot less. And that's where it caused a little bit of a ruckus because all these purists were like, no, the product matters. And I was like, no, it doesn't. Like the people matter, yo. Um, so for me, why coffee started was because I loved it and I still do. But really what I, again, I learned over time was the access that it gave me to my community and the opportunity it gave me to interact with people that was different. For me, one of the most beautiful things, and I owe everything to coffee, is, is like I grew up in a pretty conservative Christian bubble. Pops was a pastor, you know, all of the things. And I had never interacted with people that were different than me. Hmm. 
And so when I got to open and help open Ivy Wild School, it exposed me to people that had different worldviews, that lived different lifestyles. And that was the first time that I had ever been in that place. And so for me, like why coffee? Well, it gave me a chance to interact with the world that actually exists, not just within a specific niche that I had grown up in. And so for me, I continue to engage with coffee because that's what allowed me to engage my community in a beautiful way. And yeah. so I owe it to coffee and I need to continue to be loyal to coffee because of what it did for me. And it allowed me access to diversity and and beautiful people that I otherwise would have never interacted with. And so I owe, I owe coffee a lot. And both of you guys, I see as more curators, like actually that the people are the canvas that you guys are sure. writing on essentially. And uh, I've talked to you guys about anything and everything uh, of the layout of the, your places, what's weird about it, what's good about it, how it's helpful, the conference room, what meetings are good to have there, how the guacamole is, right? How the toast is. And sure. so you guys, uh, there's so much involved uh, in running a coffee shop. I bet you guys get people every week, at least every month and say, hey, I want to open a coffee shop. What should I do? So part of that's kind of demystifying, kind of pulling behind the curtain uh, of a coffee shop. There's so much that goes into coffee shop and roastery. So uh, help us just a little bit. Yeah. Why is it awesome? Like what's awesome about running a cafe and a roastery? I think for me, naturally, if you spend any time around me, if I'm excited about something, that's all I talk about, you know, and <laughs> there's a sort of like desire to share the things that you love with other people. And I think that to me kind of really heads up, like the exciting part of it is that you're curating all these things that you love, this coffee you're excited about, this beer you're so excited about, this toast, this menu. And in some ways, you know, you can't just do everything. So what are you going to do? For me, it's, I'm going to do the things that... I really connect with me personally. And I think that there's enough people out there that are just going to be enough synergy that it's going to have legs and relate to other people. So I think when you do it that way, the passion just sort of abounds and the excitement abounds because you're like, come on in here. You're going to see all the stuff that I'm just really excited about and everything that you enjoy, whether it's chai, whether it's tea, has a story, has a person, has a face. And we're not, we're making these decisions because we're excited about what these other people are doing. And it's a kind of this collaborative atmosphere anytime someone comes in. I think, I think for any leader or any entrepreneur, any manager, you know, it, it becomes a, it, to me, one of the callings of what we do is to, is to expel purpose to everything around you. And so for me, what's so exciting is that through running an organization, it gives me an opportunity to propel purpose into the people around me. For example, um, running a coffee shop where we don't have coffee as the number one priority. We try to make great coffee, but our number one priority is hospitality and creating an experience. One of the most beautiful things that I've seen is that by doing that, it gives my team members purpose. When I give them the call that says your primary job is to take care of other humans, all of a sudden their job has a special meaning. Deep down, I believe in our DNA, we were meant to take care of other people. And so by being a leader that's saying, okay, here we are to take care of other people, all of a sudden, the service job that everybody's grandparents and parents think is stupid and not good, and they should just go to college instead, now it has way more purpose than being mm -hmm. some stupid professor somewhere. Like, And it just gives them real purpose. And so I love that, that there's things 
that we get to do because we exclusively work in the service industry that that allows me to empower people to live a life of purpose beyond just serving drinks. And so that doesn't exist in all hospitality. It doesn't exist in all customer service, but that's something we prioritize. And so um, that makes it really special to me. That's one of the funnest things is, is, is allowing my team members to realize their fullest potential and, and who they are, especially when it comes to taking care of other people. Yeah, one kind of thread that you guys both have is is it's not just about the products, it's not just about coffee, but you guys are cultivating a sense of community. And I see that too. Coffee shops are this space. You know, sometimes we talk about it as a third space, but yep. this space in which community happens, connection happens. How have you guys seen that um, now that you're immersed in the industry? And, and why do you think that is? Why do you think it's been such a powerful space for people to connect um, from a, a cultural standpoint? Yeah. In our experience, I, I feel like I've made a lot of mistakes with this in terms of like my strategy has been forget the boundaries, hire friends, you know what I mean? Just like go for it and just, and then we'll just kind of bring the fence in as we need to and as we kind of make mistakes. And I think for us, one of the most important things has been really developing a sense of family and community amongst the team members that actually work there. That's and so that good. seems to be step one always is like living your life in a way that's authentic and being vulnerable enough with your team that they can actually create this relationship and a sense of trust and you actually have a real genuine relationship with all of your team members. I think that's step one. And the next is being the same way with the regulars that you have. There's regulars I've met through our shop that I've gone on backpacking trips with, and I've been invited to graduation parties of high schoolers that come in. And I mean, I really think it's don't overthink it, be yourself and also have the eyes of being looking for relationship day to day when you're on the floor and not always in operations mode, manager mode, but just connect with the people around you just like you would in any other environment. I think that's a huge step. And even just to to stop you on that, there have been moments where I walk into your guys' zone. I want to respect your workplace. And I think people see, obviously, you have a business to run. Uh, I'm not going to bother you if you look busy. And yet when you're not busy, even when we're close friends, I can go up to you, engage, see how you're doing as a human. That's got to be an interesting mindset. And so, yeah, Tyler, talk a little bit about that. It's your work zone. Sure. You want to be available to people, but you also got work to do. How do you balance those? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I think I think to me, it it really depends on, on on so many things. But but in my my opinion, working in hospitality and working in service means that I'm not there for myself. So when I show up, like I'm on the agenda of the guest. Was something really interesting about Loyal Coffee is the two things we sell the most of is egg and toast is a dish egg and toast which which. This is it. I'll it's life changing, guys. I mean, just trust me on that. Literally, the toast has changed my life. So, like, we literally sell hundreds every week of this dish. It's a piece of bread that you can buy at La Baguette. It's a butter that you can get at the store. It's a soft boiled egg, salt and pepper. That is something that you are fully capable of making by yourself at home. The other thing we sell the most of is batch brew coffee. Not anything we use special technology for. It's um, one of our cheapest coffees that you can buy on the shelf. Also something that every person is fully capable to make at home. The two things we sell the most of. So why do people come to Loyal and spend almost five times, like it costs almost five times more money to buy that at Loyal than it would be to make that at home? Okay, why is that? They're not coming for the stuff is the point. They're not coming there to have egg and toast. They could make it at home. You are capable. And that is the case with a lot of places that we go. Okay, I think the reason they come to Loyal then is because we make it for them. 
because we serve them, because we make an experience for them. So the truth is I am at work, but I am on the agenda of the guest when I am at work. That is the industry I'm in and that's what I've chosen to do. So is paperwork one thing? Yeah, you know, does all that need to get done? Yes, but my primary goal, my primary responsibility is to be on the agenda of the guest. And so for me, like talking to you, luckily is my job. And if I let my paperwork get in that, and if I'm on my own agenda, like I'm not doing my job very well and loyal would close because then all of a sudden, if people show up and I'm on my own agenda, then they're going to go make their egg and toast at home. But they come to loyal because I'm on their agenda. They're to serve them. They're to make them feel lovely. They're to make them feel loved. I'm there to make them feel seen. So to me, it's not a balance of this or that. If I'm there, I'm on the agenda of the guest, period. And so um, now I got to balance that on who I'm taking care of and when and what the greatest need is there. But if I'm there for myself, I'm there for the wrong reason. And loyal would close if I was there on my own agenda. So I'll do paperwork somewhere else. Like I'm there for the people and that's just the industry I've chosen to be in. And so that's how I have to operate. But I think the same goes for your team members as well. Vinny was 1000% friggin' right. The way you treat your employees is how they will treat your guests. The community you create among your team is the community your organization will experience. And so the priority also needs to be there. When I show up, I'm also on the agenda of my employees, period, always. And so like that is very cyclical and, and is, is really, really, really important. And he hit the nail on the head. And they do that at Peak Place like crazy good. It's something I admire and see and, and they nail it. So you need to listen to him and watch him because they do it really, really well. Yeah, having been in both of your shops, you guys both do that extremely well, the hospitality aspect, the, the service aspect. But you guys probably didn't start there. What are some of the challenges that it took to, to get to that place in the service yep. industry and specifically in the coffee industry? What were some sure. of the, the, the barriers, the boundaries, the, the hurdles that you guys had to climb over um, to get I think to one of the biggest and most important things to consider is when you start at a place where you're trying to create experiences for other people, you get so excited about your thing and you become so passionate about what you love that you forget to see things through the perspective of the guest. And so for me, the big journey was how do I take my shoes off and put on the shoes of the guest? How do you look at the experience as if they were there for the first time? Some, so often we get so familiar with our love of coffee or we get so familiar with the environment that we created that we forget to actually see what it's like for a guest to experience it. We see it through our own perspective, which you will lose every time. You need to see things through the perspective of the guest. And the more time you spend in an organization or the more time you spend in a physical space, the more diluted and convoluted your vision and version of the experience is. So you need to become an expert at seeing things through the perspective of the guest. And so over time, that's what will allow you to truly create a good experience for other people. So for me, that is was the game changer. Yeah. Was saying, okay, how do I see it through a different lens, not my own? Put on their glasses. Yeah, I think it's different for every person because I think whatever weakness you have as a person is going to manifest itself in your shop. And, you know, for me, wow. I'm ready to admit that I'm not the most visionary forward looking person. And I remember having these moments of like, why is it that I cannot generate the excitement that I have, you know, like transferred into the team? And it's like, oh, I never remind people about what we're excited about or why we're excited about it and not sharing the story enough. And I think 
forgetting how often you need to repeat why you're doing this, what's exciting about doing it and transferring that excitement into like the people that you just, you're going to have as caretakers of your shop mm -hmm. is huge. And I think you assume it a lot because there's enough turnover and things like that. And you look up in six months and you're like, oh, I never even reiterated to these people. When was the last time I like let them know why we're doing this and why we're so excited about it? Mm -hmm. It's my fault, not theirs, that they're not carrying on that, you know, like fire that I have. And for me, it's just always constantly repeating and reminding myself and the people that we entrust the shop with to, you know, like uh, focus on the core, the heart of why we started the thing yeah. in the first place. Yeah. This dude is a stud, man. I mean, <laughs> just that extreme ownership to take over something like it's like, it's my responsibility, man. That's so good, bro. That's so good. <laughs> what, uh, what you guys are not able to see from the other side of the podcast is the bromance that, that unfolds here. <laughs> um, honestly, nice. um, so even just to, to dig further into that, guys, our coffee culture in this city, I'm super proud of. Um, because I think it's a reflection of bigger things going on in our city. Uh, I've heard this from many of you guys, and I'm sure you guys all share it with each other, this idea of don't compete, collaborate. And so we see that in nonprofits and churches. And I mean, it's exciting to watch um, less people sort of staking our claim against, quote unquote, the competition. Um, Vinny, you've been known to put on a, a stupid little party hat and celebrate with somebody opening a coffee shop because you know how hard it is to do that. They're the first ones, literally, cheering each other on, the first people that get in the door the, and they're exhausted. They've been up all night. Like it is launch day. I love that. Yeah, Peak Place was the first guests. Their management staff was the first people in the door at Loyal on day one. And so we all had champagne and we still have the bottle of Fernet that they brought unopened at Loyal Coffee that they brought us at six in the morning on day one. <laughs> that's what Peak Place did for us. We still have that Fernet bottle unopened. And that's saved. that stuff's real. It stays with you. That's the idea of, hey, we're not competing, we're collaborating. That's really, really unique from what I understand. I think that's normal because sort of all of my friends are, you know, friends with each other and helping each other launch coffee shops. And they say, you know, as the water rises, all the ships in the harbor rise. And I've seen that and yep. experienced that. Talk a little bit about what's unfolded because you've chosen not to see scarcity, but generosity instead. I mean, I think in our city, when we, we're looking at the bigger picture, and I think that's really what's key. Don Niemeyer, who runs Story Coffee Company in town, said if 10% of Colorado's residents woke up tomorrow and wanted specialty coffee, we'd all be doomed because we wouldn't be able to even handle the capacity. And that's 10%. And I think that I've always had that stuck in my mind of like the, the bigger picture, the goal here is getting our city to interact with us in a larger way and not, you know, fighting over the small piece of the pie in that, you know, the tide rises all the boats. And if loyal does great, then that turns people on into our industry in general and pulling yourself away from just like their shop or our shop is completely key. It's such a bigger picture conversation than that that's happening. And all of us are so different and all of our shops have such different personalities that there's way more to go around than, you know, we could even handle at this point. I think if, if we are truly to care about the people in our city, if loyal is to say, okay, we care about our community, if peak place is to say, we care about our community. I think to, for one, understand the diversity of what different coffee shops and companies offer is really important. We need to give the people in our community the benefit of the doubt and understand that there's diversity among our community.
I don't believe Loyal Coffee can serve the needs of everybody in Colorado Springs. We are in a niche that does what we do, and we serve the people that we serve really well. And it's okay that there are some people that may not appreciate what we have to offer. Peak Place offers different things than Loyal. It may still be hospitality and community focused, but the reality is, is, that, is that if we actually care about the community, then we need to advocate for different types of organizations and people and leader and community centers and environments that actually serve the needs of the diverse people. If I assume that everybody needs what I have to offer, that's insanely selfish. And again, that's on my agenda, not the agenda of the guest. And so if I truly at my core believe in community, then I need to advocate for diversity among the industry so that the people that have needs can be served. The other thing is, is as leaders, like this is a leadership podcast, I only have so much capacity. And I could choose one or two things. I could choose to either spend my energy building up my own thing and trying to do what, what I can and just do my very best. Or I could be really concerned with peak place all the time trying to crush them. But I don't want to spend my energy trying to crush somebody else. I want to spend my energy doing it. Now, if I spent all my energy trying to crush somebody else, maybe it would work. But what a waste of my energy and what a waste of my time. And even if I did crush somebody else, my place would still suck because I spent all my energy crushing somebody else. So, like, just work on your own friggin' thing and do your best where you are. And, and that is energy well spent. Yeah, scarcity. Like, scarcity doesn't even work. Like, it. I mean, it's not a good idea because we don't want to crush other humans, but it actually doesn't even work. And what I've mm -hmm. seen is the coffee community is working because you guys are actually producing a, a product, I believe, well beyond the size of our city. I think, you know, kind of a upper crust coffee game is happening in a mid-sized city. And so, yeah, beautiful to, to watch and be part of, man. Keep it up. Keep cheering each other on. Before we move on, though, I think Tyler has to talk about, at least for a second, the disloyalty card, because he gave us some shine for the champagne and all that. But what he's doing at Loyal is awesome. Yeah. So one thing one thing we do at Loyal is we have a disloyalty card, which is a, a stamp card that you get. And it has um, the logos of all these different coffee companies in Colorado Springs. And so guests can come into Loyal, get the card, and they stamp it when they go to, say, Peak Place or Switchback Coffee. And then when they stamp the card and it's totally full after visiting other coffee shops, they bring it back to Loyal and we'll give them a free cup of coffee for shopping at other coffee shops. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, I mean, that is the, that's the antithesis of a scarcity mindset, right? You're actually promoting the other shops. And like, think about this. Like, people ask me all the time. They're like, I mean, there's so many coffee shops. And I'm like, what about barbecue? Like, or what about tacos? <laughs> or like, you know what I mean? Like, there's so much of all of these things, like Mexican food restaurants. Like, there can be so many more coffee shops. Like, what are you even talking about? Nobody says that. Like, what about, like, what about whiskey? There's so much whiskey out there and it's no problem. Like, so quit acting like, you know, like, it, that just doesn't even make sense to me. Yeah. Yeah. Well, as you guys think about the journey that you, you've been on and what you've learned, for the leaders that are listening along, whether they're entrepreneurs, ministry leaders, nonprofit leaders, what's a piece of advice that you've learned from your story and your journey that you, you could pass on to our listeners? I think for me, it's do your homework, get as prepared as you can, and then just don't be afraid to make mistakes. Be honest with the team and the people that you get involved with it. But for me, my road is very much characterized by being like, that was a terrible idea. We'll try again. And just restarting and restarting and restarting. And I think the more fear and anxiety you have over failing, the less you're going to get the shop that you want out of it. Yeah. Because you're going to be way too concerned with duplicating somebody else's shop or way too afraid to try what you really like. The worst thing that can happen is it fails. You adjust it and keep on moving. So 
get a vision, get just do as much homework as you can, but just do stuff. And if it doesn't work, it's not a big deal. Yeah. I think one of the, one of the biggest things for me was, was really having clarity as to why I was doing what I was doing and mm-hmm. what was really important to me. Um, you know, like we all can have different goals and reasons why we're doing what we're doing, but to truly know your why. And I know it's just so like, I mean, everybody's read that book, right. And like, everybody knows that dude, you know, Simon, but like, but it's so important. And so like when you're an entrepreneur, when you're managing and running stuff, like when you don't know why you're doing like failure will crush you if you don't know why. Yeah. But if you know your why and you try and you fail, but you know the end goal, it, it gives you the reason to try again. And so there were times opening this and maybe this should be another podcast, actually what it took to start. But I mean, like I slept at the coffee shop and cried in the side room and hid in the freezer with major tears and had multiple breakdowns. Um, you know, I faced depression for the first time in my life, mm. opening Loyal Coffee, but why I didn't quit because I knew the why and I knew the impact that hospitality could have. And that's the only thing that got me through. And so, so if you're gonna use failure as a way to propel, just like Vinny said, you've got to know your why yeah. you've got to know that or else the failure will just crush you and then you'll quit. You won't make the impact that you definitely could. And so spending time with that is is so important. Yeah. Cause, cause the, what can adapt, I mean, through sure. failure where we're okay. That what didn't work or if coffee, if coffee went extinct today, I think loyal, coffee would still exist because we're not based the what coffee is not what we're based on. We're about community. Our purpose is community by way of coffee. Yeah. Now we'll just change the by way of if we had to by way of flannel t-shirts or by (laughs) way of whatever, like knowing our why really is it. And that's what we spend most of our time doing. And so it's just, that's so important. Yeah. By way of artisan sandwiches, which was almost your first freaky fast, man. It's going to come back to that free smells. (laughs) This episode is not sponsored by Jimmy John's. Um, However, I do receive really good coffee from both of these guys. So I guess you've probably sponsored me over the years. Uh, Was literally in P place yesterday, knowing here's the kind of meeting that's great to have there. Um, you know, I go to Loyal many times on my day off, uh, just kind of to experience a more of a foreign environment. Um, for me, I don't need to sit there long. I don't need to hang. But um, just both of you guys have curated a space that I love to go to. I love to experience uh, March Madness. I'm probably gonna, you know, four come, screens, baby. Come on to the four <laughs> screens. I've camped out there many times. Never been kicked out before. So thanks for that. Um, but there's so much more behind this. And so yep. while you guys get to share, you know, some of the cool stories. Uh, of this as friends, I know you've shared those hard moments of just what am I doing? Why does this matter? You guys could have chosen so many other paths. Um, but ultimately, you guys love humans. And you've chosen to do that in the context of a place. Um, and it matters because I see lots and lots of other people being drawn to that. So I think a lot of other industries could could certainly learn from this. Uh, church leaders, nonprofit leaders listening can learn a ton, especially I think from the uh, the generosity that you guys show toward one another, the celebration, celebrating each other's wins. Um, so there's just a ton I've learned from you guys in the process. Um, let us into a cool story that happened in your shop. And maybe it's just a brief moment, but just give us kind of one instance where you said, yes, this is why we do what we do. For me, it's super funny. Um, I mean, this is kind of off the wall, but it's the first one that pops into my mind. But in all of my time working in church planting world and things like that, um, I never, I always built a lot of relationships 
But to me, the most odd thing and my favorite thing about the coffee shop experience is I've officiated two weddings of staff members at the coffee shop and never officiated once during all those pastoral years. Oh my gosh. That's awesome. I love that. Man, that's a, what a good question, man. Um, there's so much. And I just, you know, one of the things that, that one of my mentors say is all the time is consistency breeds credibility, right? <laughs> and, uh, you know, and the more time you spend in a place, the more credibility you build with them. And, and for me, like, just one of the most beautiful things is that, is that having an industry and an organization where you can spend, uh, spend time with somebody every day, you're part of their, their, their daily life, you know, it gives you, it gives you opportunity to, um, to just see, see the whole journey. It gives you opportunity to do that. So like, there's just some crazy things I've experienced, both beautiful and, and, and really tragic. Um, for example, bartending and, and working in coffee at, at, at a place. I, I mean, I got to see an engagement, marriage, divorce all happen over the course of a couple of years and, and served drinks to those people for the entire time. The whole thing. I saw the whole thing over the course of six years and, and still am friends with them today. Now, that's not glorious and fun, but to walk beside two people through that whole time was something that coffee gave me an opportunity to do that I'm really thankful for. Now am I excited that that happened? Not necessarily, but um, but if it wasn't for coffee, I wouldn't have been able to be with those people. And the truth is, is I love both of them and I had credibility to walk with them through that and it gained me that accessibility. So that's not an exciting story or, or a fun one, um, but that's a that's a giant, yeah. it's a, it is a privilege to be able to do that and, and to walk with people through that. Um, but man, like so many opportunities, you know, just, I, I think one of the re the really exciting ones as well is just, is the, is the ways my team members have been able to experience hospitality. We, we just had one of my team members was just given a medallion by one of our guests. And, um, and this guest, her, her parents had, had, had both just died in the last couple of years. And this medallion had been passed along in their family. This guest doesn't have any other family, but wanted to pass on a family heirloom and chose one of our baristas to pass along this medallion. That's like 400 years old or something and decided to give it to her, her friggin' barista. Like, but, but this barista has worked at loyal since day one. She's, she's been with us every day. And like, she was consistent enough that she had the credibility and trust of that guest for the one family heirloom yeah. of this guest. Like what other industry does that happen in? Yeah. Like what other places that happen if it's not for consistency and trust that's built with people over time? Well, we just had a cool surprise happen. We had Whoa. another coffee shop owner and actually <laughs> a roastery uh, here in town as well. Uh, walk in the room. Um, what I love is again, we're friends uh, here in the city, seeing some cool things happen. So Brandon Del Grosso, so good to have you here. Um, we're sharing about coffee, about generosity, about hospitality, anything's on the table today. Give us a little intro into your story and how the heck Switchback Coffee Shop and Roasters got off the ground. No, that's great. Uh, glad to join uh, these folks here. Um, I was just reading <laughs> these questions. I'm like, what advice do you have for opening a shop? Hiring meaningful hospitality is this really cool uh, <laughs> company that uh, I just geez. heard about that uh, is all about hospitality that y'all should know about. There we go. Plug for well, you. Well, thank so you. He's uh, my good friend here. We're talking about like collaboration, but uh, this show is also not sponsored by Jimmy John's or my <laughs> consulting firm, www.meaningfulhospitality.com. There it is. There it is. No, really, uh, if I can give, be in a couple minutes short, uh, <clears throat> Switchback started because there was, at the time, from what our, my perspective, not a lot of high-quality specialty coffee 
in this city. So we started eight years ago now. So actually eight and a half coming up on. So uh, really, it was just a friend and I who had a love for coffee and uh, wanted to see special be a catalyst for specialty coffee in Colorado Springs. And uh, so we just bought a little tiny roaster, started roasting for family and friends in a garage. And uh, then it all just grew from there. So we started supplying some shops and opened up, a, you know, an actual retail space so people could come grab some beans from our space. And then um, just tried to engage with people through that. Uh, we had to focus significantly on education for our city because, you know, there was a lot of people that didn't understand it. I mean, even just today when I was on shift, had to explain to somebody the price of coffee, why commodity uh, is not the way of coffee today. And people were having to break people's mold of what it means to pay quality for if you want quality, then you need to pay quality. And if you, um, if you want it to stick around, then we have to pay a little bit more. So even still in the education process, um, I mean, like the average age of farmers right now is 65. So things have to change for us in order for us to see coffee continue, at least at a high level. And so uh, anyways, we started just roasting for family and friends and then uh, ended up uh, sliding next to some friends of ours that were running a coffee shop. And so we were supplying their coffee. And then after some conversation, we ended up taking over that coffee shop. So uh, I've been running the cafe game for about four years now as well. And um, that's kind of the real quick part of our story. Um, have had a lot of fun employing a lot of people who now own all these other shops too, uh, which has been a ton of fun because uh, we just believe in collaboration, not competition. And so I feel like that's what it meant to be a catalyst for specialty coffee in Colorado Springs is to collaborate with other people and see, see it. I mean, in order to educate people, one shop can't do it. So it has to be all of us doing it together. And so I'm excited to sit in the room with these guys here. And we, we were talking about generosity. Um, we're talking about fighting that scarcity mentality. Seeing you do that, Brandon, um, just some of the collaboration, even to get loyal off the ground, to be able to roast beans, incredible to, to watch, to watch you guys celebrate in that. We've talked about toast. We've talked about tastes. We've talked about hospitality. Uh, what are some uniquenesses uh, within Switchback, within your culture there and within what you're trying to do in that neighborhood and in the city as a whole? What's unique about you guys? Yeah, I mean, if I look through all the stuff that we're about, I mean, a lot of that is reflected in these two other folks right here. Um, but I would say uh, one of the things that we've been trying to fight as a company uh, and one of our core values is accessibility. And so two of the things that the ways that we do that is making coffee accessible to everybody regardless. And so that's been one of the ways that I felt like we could uh, kind of push forward. And um, and so that looks like we have pay what you can for drip. And so we want to have an option to where everybody can belong regardless of socioeconomic status. And then uh, even the, some of the super beautiful, high quality coffees that we bring in, that's like 2% of what we buy. So super small. We sell those at cost for people because we want everybody to try the beautiful coffees that we have. So we just had these two incredible wish wish coffees that we had and we just sold them at cost. Um, so that's probably one of the things is making coffee accessible to people regardless of how quality it is. And again, that's a small amount of what we do. Um, but then also accessibility when it comes to the people that we employ and trying to make it an accessible space where everybody can belong. And that's been something that we constantly have to fight at is trying to make it a space where everybody can belong regardless of, of what you believe, regardless of where you're at with gender identity, um, sexual orientation, whatever it might be. And so it's a constant battle, um, but to try to make that space a belonging space. And so that, of course, has to start with my staff 
Um, and so trying to create again, a, a space where everybody can kind of hang out and belong. Um, and then that of course bleeds itself into the cafe. So I'm not saying that these guys don't do that by, by any means, but I would say that's an area that we've been trying to push forward in, um, and something that we feel like is incredibly necessary. In this and they state. crush it. <laughs> Thanks. There's so much admiration in this room. You could get it with a knife. Uh, I just love, I love what's happening here. This is just one snapshot uh, of one industry in our city where collaboration's happening. Um, kind of cool. I was able to write uh, two of my three books in Switchback, and literally come they'd come in. You know, I'd come in each week at the same time, try not to talk to any other humans, and they were cool with that. And uh, we're actually able to do a book release for staying as a new going, and just to. Um, to see even that space that was created um, kind of breeds creativity, the kind of meetings, the ideas that I get just listening in on somebody at the next table. You guys know you do it too, right? You hear some great ideas. So just want to affirm you guys are leaders. You guys aren't just curators. You're not just pouring coffee. You're certainly not just drinking lattes with people. You guys are leaders and you guys are pushing into new areas. Super grateful for you guys. Uh, selfishly glad you're here in our city. Please don't leave. Uh, absolutely <laughs> love what you guys are doing. Um, last question. We just want to hear, uh, we're talking about health and longevity here in this podcast. Mm -hmm. So many people heading toward burnout. When we love what we do, it's harder not to burn out. And so the question uh, for people listening many times is how do I keep doing this and stay healthy and do it for the long yeah. haul? And so I want to hear from you guys, get really practical. What does it take to run a cafe, coffee shop, roastery, and do it for the long haul? In other words, how do you do this and stay healthy? It takes investors. So if any of you are listening to this podcast, but seriously, yeah, no, for me, I think the, one of the biggest mistakes I made is I had no community outside of my shop. I spent Yo. too much time there. All my friends were there. Mm. Everyone I loved was an employee of the shop. I was, I felt like I was the boss and manager of all of my friends and it was a complete nightmare. And I felt like I could never escape from it. Wow. And I think that and then couple that with there are seasons where you're going to spend a bajillion hours a week there and then when that season ends go away and get a break katie and i my wife and i have taken to cruises because it's the thing that forces you to relax the most you're sure. five days in the middle of the ocean your phone doesn't work so i think yeah. it's work hard play hard you ride the wave when you have to and grind it out but once you're done with it make sure you clear some serious time to get a lot of rest come on but having a community outside of your shop is absolutely essential that's great what you think brandon <laughs> That's a great word right there. Um, I would say that the biggest thing, of course, is making sure that you have a high quality team. I mean, I think Tyler probably has the best representation of that, of people that are owning six things and trust each other in those things. Uh, the only reason that's given me the uh, ability to to do what I do is just having high quality people that we've hired and just entrusting them to be able to do and trusting them to actually do what we've asked them to do. Um, and so I'm a I'm a big time, I would call myself an empowerer. They call me the great enabler at work, but in a good way. Um, but the idea is I just want to enable people to do what they're best at. And so I can take that time and feel good about it because there's other people carrying weight uh, with me. And so I think that's one of the things that we've I've tried to do well is to make sure that other people feel really strongly about that they own a specific piece and then I trust them to actually own that piece. And that gives me immense freedom because then I don't feel like I'm having to carry all the weight. Um, I totally agree with the friendship thing. That's a really challenging thing because we want to be as incredibly hospitable as Tyler would probably talk about to our staff really well, but doing that in a way that's a professional way 
to where they feel yeah. absolutely cared for, but then that doesn't cross that friend boundary in a wrong way. It doesn't mean that you can't be friends. Um, I think that's huge. So I agree with Vinny on that one for sure. Yeah. One thing over the last couple of years, I, I would, I love what Vinny said, you know, for starters, uh, you know, kind of being both the tortoise and the hare at the same time and saying that it is okay to grind and hustle for a season, but just being able to identify what those are. And so, you know, the founding of something looks very different than the sustaining of something. And so understanding the difference and being able to identify those. One of the things that I've found, if we want to get crazy practical, is is I have two things I call my morning practice and my evening practice. Um, and both of those are things that I call practice uh, really on purpose because there's something that I'm changing and evolving over time. So for me, understanding what my morning practice looks like and it's setting myself up for success. Because again, kind of Brandon was was joking around, but like I don't only do this. Like I'm very much an entrepreneur and stuff. So I have a couple other side projects. So my morning practice, like I wake up at, at 345 in the morning and 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 then go through my meditation and yoga and Bible reading and all this and then work on my side hustles and exercise. But I even have my morning practice down to like taking my vitamins and things like that's on the list. And, you know, that should take 45 seconds or less. And that's legit on my list. Now, I actually hate lists and I hate routine, but I need it. So I've become obsessed about it. Almost every day on Instagram, I, I make a list every day. Um, and so for me, but what's important is not making for me was not making that list and just sticking to it, but practicing it. Practice over time. If you practice something, you get good at something, right? Mm -hmm. And then that gives you space because you're good at one thing. And so you start practicing something else and it evolves. And so my morning practice has changed over time. And now I just had a kid. So my morning practice in, blew up insanely. <laughs> but the but the one part, and that's something that I've found to just change my life, is knowing that also my evening practice imp impacts my morning practice. If I'm going to wake up at 345, it means I got to go to bed on time and I need to rest well. And there's things that I do that help me rest well. It, crazy stuff. I use red lights in my bedroom and all these super weird things that we could talk about later. But um, but a morning practice and an evening practice that sets myself up to start my day well and end my day well is uh, really something that's impacted me in a positive way. Yeah, well, we're so thankful that you guys have been with us. You guys are an important part of the community, a huge part of the community. You guys are helping to cultivate spaces in which relationship happens. And I've seen it, I've experienced it, Alan's experienced it, countless other people that we know have experienced community and relationships in your shops. And so we're thankful for what you're doing in the community. We're so thankful for your generous spirits and your generous hearts to one, give some time to us and share um, just wisdom about what it's like to lead in your environment, but also the generosity you have for each other. Just the love and the camaraderie that you have is, is amazing for us to see. And so many different industries can learn from that. So thank you. Thank you for sharing with us. Man, such good content in there. Uh, obviously, these guys get fired up about culture, about taking care of their employees. Uh, so many takeaways from that, but I love the part about taking care of our team, that if we don't take care of our team in leadership, then of course, they're not going to go take care of other people. And so really, that hospitality and generosity starts with those who, in their case, are working behind their bar, are on their teams. But for leadership, I was just convicted, man, we need to take care of our teams before mm -hmm. our teams can then go take care of other people. So that was really what was sticking out. Uh, David, give us one or two takeaways for you from that. Yeah, there, there's a deep conviction there. I mean, when they talk about hospitality, 
Um, and my, myself being a pastor and being a church planner, there's something about that that was deeply convicting as ministry leaders. They care deeply about people's experience when they walk in, that they're known, that they feel human. It's not, again, it's not just coffee for them, but they're cultivating this environment of hospitality where people feel welcome the first moment that they walk through the door. And, and so I'm reflecting on my own leadership in my own um, church context or ministry context, and I'm wondering, have we done that? in our context, if we welcomed people in with the same enthusiasm into the church community that, um, the, that these, uh, brothers do with coffee. I mean, it's, it's amazing. And we all know the, the phrase, the book, the talk start with why from Simon Sinek, but just a lot in there about that. What we think is our why in our business and in our organizations and, and even in our churches, maybe the business as usual thought that's not compelling, but we need to get back to our why and know that we need to bleed for that every day. Um, so these are friends. I'm proud to call them friends. I love watching them win. I love watching them uh, grab shoulders in our city. And truthfully, we could have had 12 or 15 people in the studio today. I mean, they wouldn't have fit. It would have been madness. Maybe we'll do that someday. But so fun to watch people who are connected, really helping each other win. Um, so today was a lot of fun, but so many leadership takeaways. Yeah, I, I think the common theme throughout um, both Vinny and, and Tyler, and then when Brandy came in, was this idea of, of community, that they really are in the people business and they're cultivating these environments for a relationship to happen. And I think it's um, it's symptomatic of our culture, right? We we need spaces to connect and those are becoming fewer and fewer. And, you know, not to rag on social media and, and to kind of beat that dead horse, but um, wherever you are, whatever um, organization that you lead, your people and the people that you serve need spaces for community, need spaces to to connect. And so how can we intentionally cultivate that? Where that's the why behind it for them is it's not, again, not just about the coffee, but it's cultivating that environment, that space. And so for me, I see that as a, a cultural representation of where we're at, that people are craving these third spaces, these environments where they can connect with other human beings that that isn't virtual, um, but it's face-to-face -face over a cup of coffee. And so it was a beautiful picture of that that people crave that and that it can be cultivated right now in 2019. It's not dead. Um, people still still need that. Well, thanks for joining us for another awesome episode of the Right Side Up Leadership Podcast. One more reminder, subscribe, share, take a screenshot. We continue to see a steady growth in the podcast, and we are so grateful for you guys sharing this, for you guys getting this message out. We want to continue to bring you guys great content, but we want you to help us expose this to as many leaders as possible. Thanks for tracking along. Can't wait for another episode of the Right Side Up Leadership Podcast. We'll catch you next time.